0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host hello and welcome to saving lives in slow motion today i'd like to talk about longevity Now, there's a whole world out there of hacks to keep you alive for longer these days, and I wanted to cover this topic because none of us live forever, and part of my concern around the concept of longevity is, I kind of get that it's the flip side of ageing in a way, Um, one is a natural process and longevity is trying to work out hacks that make you live longer. But can we go too far with this? And how long is long enough? Difficult questions to answer, but that's what I'd like to think about in this episode. Now, in terms of assumptions, and I'm someone that always says never assume, but I am going to, for this episode, make a few assumptions. One is that people want to live a long and healthy life as far as possible, by and large. And, and the second is that we want to live... A long life that's active, not just a long life for the sake of it. So quality of life is really important. So before we get into definitions and, and so forth, um, I thought I'd do something really human. Because I think when I think of longevity, and I can only speak for myself, but I think a lot of people will relate to this. I'm thinking about a number, and I'm thinking about an age. And it's a bit of an odd exercise, this. But if I go through what's going on in my head, And take 10 year intervals. um, Let's just think through what we think might be a long enough life. So, 10, Mm -mm. 20, no, 30, no, 40, no, 50, no, 60, no. 70, maybe, 80? Yeah, I think so. 90, perhaps. 100, kind of starting to think, would I want to live that long? Sorry, the reason I did that exercise is that one of the things that we've got to remember and be mindful of is, you know, you're not going to be in the same state, most likely, at 80 um, as you would have been at 50 or indeed, you know, I'm not in the same state at Perry 50, which is later this summer, um, as I was when I was nearly 30. That's life. And that kind of got me thinking about the fact that you, you really want longevity as long as you're healthy. So how do we guarantee that? Well, you can't guarantee anything, but a lot of work has been done on looking at communities that enjoy long life that is healthy because that would be the dream ticket wouldn't it it's funny I've got a friend who who really wants to live for as long as possible you know till he's well into his mid-100s and I said to him once I said look you know what's the point because nearly everyone you know is not going to be around anymore and I think one of the things that's worth bearing in mind is why life is worth living Um and it comes back to this concept of longevity not just meaning a long life but a long life that's worth living. I want to start by talking about blue zones. Many of you will have heard of these and the work of Dan Buettner and in short they are discrete populations of people in different parts of the world that live long healthy lives and The idea is by studying them, you can unearth secrets or commonalities that they have. Now, most of you will know if you followed me for a while in my work that I really do believe that health is individual, as evidenced by my book, The Health Fix, where you can actually use the framework within the book to improve your own health. But there are some principles that apply to not exactly everyone, but most people. And this is really what blue zones are about. Um, there are always going to be exceptions at, at either end. It's you know I've always said this, haven't I? That you can't generalise too much because you know saying apples are healthy or eating apples are good for you is great unless you're allergic to apples. So you know you've got to just think about you. But if we look at these commonalities, they're then often known as the Power Nine and. I'll post a link to the original paper. But I'd like to go through them. So, the first one, and a lot of these won't surprise you, but the first one is to move naturally. So, in the paper, there's an assertion that the world's longest living people don't necessarily um, pump iron at the gym, but actually do other things around the house, you know, whatever it is, their day to day activity just keeps them fit. So the next one is about purpose, or what the Okinawans called ikigai. Many of you will have seen this. What makes you get up in the morning? And having that is key. And this particular paper says that it can increase your life expectancy up to seven years. It's a lot. Seven years just from purpose. So the third in this power nine, the third thing is called downshifting. I really like this. And this is about handling stress and there is something about you know certainly in health about how the body reacts to things or how you deal with things so in in a way just as I've talked on other episodes about how it's not stress that kills you it's how you handle the stress or it's not high sugar foods that harm us it's our body's response to it in terms of insulin and there is something about taking time out so the paper talks about adventists praying or sardinians doing happy hour every day and the okinawans remembering their ancestors you know these are sort of meditative practices in a way um that just reverse that constant fight or flight kind of world that we live in at the moment where everything's on go you know vagal stimulation that that kind of calm number four is the 80% rule this is something that my grandfather used to always say which is don't eat until you're really full so eat to you know the point where you feel like you're 80% full whatever that means but it's a great dictum Um, and also eating your smallest meal late in the afternoon and then not eating anything after that yeah, you know, and again, I guess if you've not been medically advised to do differently, then having your dinner early in the evening and then not eating anything or snacking before bed is a great way to make sure that you don't go to bed with a high blood sugar and then an insulin spike. Um, and so you wake up having had better sleep. There are lots of benefits of that. It's some, something that's often called time restricted eating, where, again, in my book, The Health Fix, I talk about having dinner early and breakfast late. Number five is something called the plant slant, and these blue zone diets seem to contain a lot of nuts, beans, legumes, and interestingly, not that much meat. So meat five times a month, mostly pork. It's interesting because pork is probably the hardest meat to digest, but um, you know, if you're only eating it five times a month and, and that's your meat intake, then that's pretty low number six is about alcohol it's an interesting one here so people in all of the blue zones apart from the Adventists drank alcohol moderately and regularly so one to two glasses of wine a day um, with friends or with food and this is an interesting one because there's a lot out there about alcohol and its dangers particularly in terms of developing cancer and in fact, many, many other diseases. Again, I think there's a, a, a principle here about moderation and how it's never one thing. And what we tend to do as human beings, you know, a minute ago I just mentioned pork. And if you're someone whose antennae are up and you love pork, you might go away and go, oh, well, you know, that Dr. pandre says pork's really good for you because, you know, the Okinawans ate it. No, not necessarily, because they were eating meat probably five times a month, and it was mainly pork. So the alcohol thing, there are dangers to alcohol, but in this particular group of people who had all these other elements to their lives in in terms of this power nine, seem to be moderate drinkers of alcohol. But in the context of everything else that they're doing, it seems to confer a benefit compared to non-drinkers. And the last three, number seven, eight, and nine of these power nine, are to do with community. So number seven is called belong. And actually, most of the people in this cohort belong to a faith-based community. And it didn't matter what faith. Number eight was about loved ones and having your parents and grandparents nearby, that sense of family community. And number nine is about the right tribe. Again, many of you may have heard of the Okinawans and these things called Moes, which are small community groups of four or five people who you share habits with. And, you know, this is great. And I see it where I live, people who go cycling together or running together or whatever. Um, But it's more than that. There's this commitment, I think, that goes with these groups as well. So that's the the power nine, Um, quite obvious in some ways. Move naturally, purpose, downshifting, the 80% rule, the plant slant, wine, belong, loved ones first, and the right tribe. Seems pretty simple, but if it really was, then we'd all be doing it. Now, I think these are absolutely wonderful, and as a guiding set of principles, I absolutely 100% buy into them. Of course, the challenge is to get everyone to buy into this, and everyone's busy, they've got their own problems, and so it can be hard to to get going with these things. So if you, you know, want to make a start, start with yourself is is what I'd say, that's what I try and do, and then infect others (laughs) is the way to do it, where you just sort of start something and make it kind of swell, and you end up doing it with your friends or your family it's what I call community spirit in the book um, the health fix and before you know it you're doing some of the elements of the power nine I think it's easy to think about those things as a chore if you're not doing them but actually they're not if you reread those those communities take joy and pleasure in doing those things they're so ingrained in their way of life that they don't really think that they're doing them I mean, some of them you can't change. I mean, if you live 300 miles away from your parents, it's unlikely that you're going to move them with ease and speed because it's in the power nine. And all of these things uh, take a bit of effort. You know, if you don't like eating vegetables, then you're going to have to start experimenting. But the main thing not to do is to take away the bits that you want to hear. Oh, pork and wine, they're really good. Um, Because. that's often what happens. And and I've done that before, that kind of selective hearing thing. The other thing to bear in mind is that the world is a difficult place in which to create healthy behaviours. Just look around you in terms of the foods that are on offer, the sales, the marketing. We're constantly bombarded with things that are not so good for us. And my way of handling that is I don't forbid myself any of those things because that would be unrealistic. Some people do. Some people need rules. Uh, I don't roll like that. But I'm just much more conscious about what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. It's this concept that I call monkey brain, again in my book, where your inner monkey, and monkeys are very impulsive and they act without thinking, uh, will tend to just go for that extra piece of cake or they'll tend to go for a short-term hit of pleasure and a lot of the things in that power nine are in many ways the opposite of that it makes it sound boring or dull it's not it's actually how people who are in control if you like live but it's a two-way street the more you do those things the more in control you feel And so it feeds itself. So for those of you who want to make a start, I obviously would recommend my book, The Health Fix. I know I go on and on about it, but everything I know about fixing yourself or, you know, hacking yourself so that things are easier is in that book. But I'm going to end with something anecdotal because, you know, we've talked a bit about all the things that create the right environment for longevity and what it might mean to different people. But one of the things that I've been doing since I started medicine is really listening to what patients tell me because that is one of the best ways to learn as any practitioner, doctor or other. And one of the things that I hear time and time and time again From anyone who is elderly, someone who's in their late 80s onwards, I will often ask them this question, and that is, what's your secret? As in, you know, how, how is it that you're this age and you seem relatively healthy? And the three most common answers I get are these. Number one is... I never worry about anything. Number two is I drink a glass of port every day. And number three is that longevity runs in their family. Oh you know, my mum lived till she was ninety-seven and my dad lived till he was ninety-six. Now when you when you look at the power nine that we've just discussed, all of them do kind of feature in there because If you're part of a community that lives a long time, then you're going to have parents that lived a long time. The wine story is in there, except it's not specifically port. And this thing about not worrying about anything is a euphemism for handling stress. As I mentioned before, this is anecdotal. It's not evidence-based. This is one doctor over, I don't know, 30 years of meeting patients. But time and time again... These are the answers I get. So, anyway, I hope that's given you some food for thought. Do let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you want me to cover any particular subject matter areas. I've had some brilliant suggestions, um, and I, I really love hearing from you on my socials the usual places Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook thank you once again for listening and I hope you find the show notes interesting with useful links in the meantime do look after yourself take care stay well and until next time bye for now